Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Ira is a relatively new service that provides the visually impaired with instant access to information by using a smartphone and a remote sighted assistant. We'll speak with Eric Manser, a blind distance runner and triathlete, and Jess Jakeway, a sighted distance runner who served as Eric's remote guide using Ira at the 2017 Boston Marathon. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip is, as technology develops, you might find that you are able to use it to help you do things that were previously more difficult. And this show is a great example of how changing technology can open up new opportunities for us to do things in different ways. And it doesn't even need to be a technical task. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible by Logan Tech, makers of the electronic Take Anywhere 6-dot Braille label maker that produces crisp, clear Braille that strikes, scores, and cuts in seconds. More information on our family of devices and products is at logantech.com. Logan Tech, improving quality of life with technology. Let's start by meeting Eric and Jess. So one of our guests today is Eric, who has actually been on the show twice before, once in episode 1617, talking about running the Boston Marathon with a celebrity guide, who happens to be Peter Sagal of NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And the other time he was on the show was in episode 1629, talking about his accessibility work at IBM. So Eric, for our listeners who haven't heard you before, can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you're doing these days? Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, Eric Manser. I live just outside Boston here in uh, Massachusetts. I'm 44 years old. I live with my wife, Lisa, and our two daughters, Ellie and Grace. And, you know, I do work for IBM. I am someone who has been gradually losing my eyesight uh, over many years. I have a degenerative eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. So being someone who works in accessible technology at IBM uh, is, is very gratifying. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to feel like you contribute uh, firsthand to making technology more accessible to all people. In addition to that, I like to stay active. You know, I grew up being involved in athletics and trying to stay fit and healthy. And uh, so today I'm you know, delighted to still be able to do things like run marathons and, and participate in triathlons and you know, certainly the assistance I get from sighted guides, as well as uh, some of the exciting emerging technologies that we're seeing coming along are helping me uh, continue to do that. Were you an adult or a child when you started losing your vision? I was diagnosed, you know, at age five, I had this condition that typically leads to blindness. You know, I've almost started to identify it as a benefit because I feel like I've had years to kind of plan and prepare for vision loss. So now at 44, you know, I mean, it has been a steady progression and, you know, I could drive a car until about 15 years ago. And then I ultimately I gave that up when it didn't feel safe anymore. And so it's just been a process. But, you know, what I have remaining today, I describe as if you were to look through like a drinking straw that you cover with wax paper on the end of it. So, you know, I've got a kind of a small circle of central clouded vision remaining. 
And our other guest today is new to Eyes on Success. Can you introduce yourself, Jess? Hi, I am Jess Jakeway. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I know Eric because I work for Ira as an agent analyst, and we'll get into that more later, but I've been with Ira for about a year. I started as an independent contractor as an agent, and now as an agent analyst, I have a team of about 13 agents that I oversee throughout the country, and we do training, hiring, reviewing the agents, all that fun stuff, as well as a lot of other special projects that come about in the startup world. And I assume you are fully sighted. Yes. So I am a fully sighted um, agent. All of our agents are, and they can be anywhere, like I said, in the U.S. We are based in San Diego, but originally, you know, all of the agents were based there. Um, And then we decided, you know, there's no reason we couldn't be remote. And that actually helped us to extend our hours. So the East Coasters, like Eric and I, can work together, um, you know, different times. Great. And in your spare time, what do you like to do? So I am very active as well. Um, Not nearly as active as Eric, but I am a runner as well. I have completed about 10 uh, half marathons, two full marathons, and I'm working on my third right now. I'll be doing the Chicago Marathon in October. What fun. And we are timing this episode to air shortly before the October 2017 Chicago Marathon partly because our daughter is running in it and we get to hype that, but partly to tell people that Jessica will be running in the Chicago Marathon in the same weekend. Eric will be participating in an Ironman triathlon in Baltimore. And so if you have an opportunity to watch the events or follow their progress, we wanted to tell everybody with enough time so that you can do that. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is how Eric was able to run the Boston Marathon guided by Jess while she was over 750 miles away. Before we get into some of the details of how Eric participated in the Boston Marathon with Jess's assistance, maybe Jess, you can tell us a little bit about what IRA is and how it all works. Absolutely. So IRA is a unique service where we connect sighted agents all across the U.S. with blind users. They can also be anywhere in the U.S. And what we do is we give them a pair of IRA smart glasses that have a camera. And on that camera, we're able to get a live video stream that goes directly to the agents. So a user like Eric would call in um, during our business hours. We're open from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. most places in the U.S., and it just depends on where you are. We're actually open till 1 a.m. then East Coast. But you're able to instantly connect with an agent, and the agent has a dashboard that we've created that allows them to see that live video stream. So we would be seeing everything from the user's perspective, and we're able to describe that in real time. And we also have their GPS location integrated with Google Maps. So we see their location, and we can guide them. Um, We'll pull up directions for walking, Or we can use maps, like a lot of our users will be in an airport, so they'll call in, we'll pull up the map, we can navigate them to baggage claim, things that they would normally have a sighted person maybe helping them with. We're able to step right in, and it really gives them a lot of independence to do things on their own time. And we also are integrated with Uber as well. So that's something that I think is a neat feature. If a user likes to use Uber, then we can call Uber on their behalf during the call. And we can see where the Uber driver is located, see their photo, their car information, and their license plate. So just 
that added safety is a really nice feature. Um, we've been around about two and a half years. So this is like having a set of remote eyeballs for a visually impaired person who has these glasses. Yes, and we actually like to say that we think of ourselves like we want to think as a set of eyes, not as a brain. So we're never replacing anybody's mobility tools, be it a cane or a guide dog. We're just an added resource for them. Is there any special training that your agents go through or they just learn on the job how to interact and what a blind person needs? Nope. So we have a really extensive training process and we're actually really selective. Uh, we had over a thousand applicants for our last round of hiring. And we do a pre-screening test that actually has them do things, again, like navigation-based. So using Google Maps and other tools on the internet to answer questions that we've provided to them. And then past that, we do select, you know, based on resumes and we do an extensive interview. And then finally, once they are hired, we have a, a really nice training program we put together. Uh, one thing we like to do is have a workshop. So all of the new agents can do a four-hour workshop where we work with them directly, go over everything that, you know, we would be doing as agents. And then we also have actual training with blind users. We do at least two to three of those where we are coaching and observing them on a live call. So we don't like set them free without any training. It's definitely extensive. And we also are able to um, watch recordings of their calls and make sure that everything is going smoothly. And we also allow the users to rate each call. So it's kind of like Uber in that sense. So they're able to give us comments and reviews so we can, again, make sure everybody is up to par and working smoothly. Nice. And Eric, what was your first connection with Ira and Jessica? Like about a year ago, I started as pretty much a beta tester for Ira. As a beta tester, Eric, which aspects of the experience were you giving them feedback on? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it really ran the gamut. It was anything from, you know, network reliability, like it's a dedicated AT&T network that, uh, that the IRA service is, is working on these days. And, you know, so any drop calls, I would, you know, they, we would document that and make a note of that or really like user experience stuff, a lot of that. One thing I wanted to add in real quick, if I could, um, Eric mentioned the use of the AT&T MiFi, and I did forget to mention that's something we send out as well. So when a user signs up, they do get the smart glasses as well as the MiFi device. So that is part of your subscription. You don't pay separately for either of those. So that's a nice feature as far as not using your personal data on your cell phone because it's all going to go through that MiFi. You mentioned that the users pay for this service. Is it a monthly fee or a per minute fee or a per interaction fee or how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so how it's set up is for the typical user, um, it is a subscription-based monthly fee and you get different amounts of minutes based on each plan. We have four different plans and we definitely have users all over the spectrum. What's nice is that you're not locked into any contract. You can start low and if you see you're going to be using it a lot, you can always increase it. And if you, for whatever reason, if you did get it and use it a month and didn't like it, um, you could cancel without any you know, issues. But honestly, once people start, they really do get I don't want to say addicted, but they do. They call in a lot. They like it a lot. And we have a bit of a, it's almost like a forum. We have a listserv where people can communicate to each other, the users, and they can communicate directly with our staff. And people are always sharing new ideas, fun ideas. And if they do have any comments to make or improvements they think could help. 
I'm constantly realizing new and different uses for it myself, like in my day-to-day. Like as another example, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was out on a Saturday doing errands with my wife and daughters. And, you know, we had stopped and they had run into a store and we knew, had identified, you know, what restaurant we wanted to go to, you know, as a family for lunch uh, once they got done with whatever they needed to do at this particular store. And so, you know, thinking ahead, out on a bright sunny day, I you know take out my iPhone. As someone with low vision, I oftentimes can struggle trying to you know pull up a, a restaurant's website uh, and you know identifying what it is I'd like to order once we get there. Well, you know the fact that I now have access to the Iris service, right? Like I was pulling up this website of this deli that we were going to go to, and found that it wasn't very low vision friendly. This time I was able to engage an IRA agent and say, can you pull up this website and can you kind of run through the appetizers and the, you know, what kind of sandwiches they have? So, you know, it was just a, a, such a liberating experience. You know, in the past, this limitation could have shut me down and I would have had to wait or ask my daughters to tell me what the menu said. But, you know, I was empowered and, and able to kind of identify ahead of time and overcome the accessibility issues. Well, that can be pretty handy. So I take it you don't have to schedule these interactions. An agent is generally pretty much available when you need them. Absolutely. On demand, man. (laughs) Great. So now you guys went through beta testing this in real life and giving feedback, Eric, to people like Jessica. And then you eventually decided to take on a bigger challenge and decided to run the Boston Marathon with some assistance. How did that all work? (laughs) If nothing else, you were moving a lot faster than when you were trying to walk down the streets of Boston to get to a meeting. Absolutely. No, it was it was definitely a different sort of experience. And, you know, I'm always very candid. Like, we knew up front that Ira today and, you know, at the time, Ira at the time was, was not something I would simply hand to a blind person and say, here, go run a marathon. And, you know, so we knew that, you know, people were getting great, great value from the technology doing things like, you know, getting assistance at the grocery store or navigating the airport, uh, but running a marathon with 30,000 other people, at, you know, at a faster pace, sharing the same race course, you know, was a unique challenge. One might call that a stress test. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> extreme, extreme testing scenario. So we knew that going in. We were very practical. Like, you know, I still uh, took a lot of the same precautions that I've always taken when running a marathon. You know, I still had an in-person human guide with me that, you know, that was there physically with me. We still wore the blind and guide identifying bibs, you know, that that let others around us know. We still, you know, used a tether. Uh, And because Boston Marathon is so crowded, you know, my preference over time has become to have at least two guides. And as I recall, you actually used your backup runner when you were running with Peter Sagal because he wasn't feeling so good in the middle of the race. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, so at any time, if you can have two or three guides in that unique Boston situation that's beneficial and so this year i had one of my ibm colleagues david a good friend of mine david way that uh, agreed to run as my in-person guide and as we were preparing for boston you know i was still doing a lot of rehearsal running with jess uh and you know so david and jess came to you know know each other and, and work together and stuff and so i still very much consider it as having two guides you know i had jess you know even though she was in ohio <laughs> you know she was still very much a guide. She was comfortably sitting at a computer while you were sweating buckets (laughs) on this race. 
Except he could have bathroom breaks. I had to stay put. I was wondering about that. I was going to ask about that. (laughs) Well, didn't you get a break when he got a break? Well, you know, it was it was a funny circumstance because I thought about that. I was like, you know, here's Eric hydrating and fueling up. And I thought I better not eat anything. I better just sit here because I wanted to be ready. So it, it was fine and it went great. But it was just a funny circumstance because I'm used to running, you know, and those pre-race jitters were still there for me, but in a whole new form. So, Eric, you said you had a physical guide, David, present, and you were also relying on Jessica, who you were hearing through your Bluetooth earbuds. Could David and Jessica hear each other, and could Jessica hear Eric, and how did that all work? Well, honestly, that was actually one of the challenges that we realized. Jessica wasn't able to hear David, and David wasn't able to hear Jessica. Uh, But ideally, you know, if Ira gets to a point where that could be the technology solution that I'm using in that scenario, then it would replace the need to have a physical in-person guide with me. And to be honest with you, one of the most interesting realizations of the experience running in Boston was, you know, most of the practice runs that Jessica and I did together with her helping me remotely were out here in metro Boston, like out in the suburbs. And, you know, I would run on quiet country back roads where, Jessica could be just as descriptive and detailed as, as the IRA agents are trained to be. Uh, and she could say, okay, you've got a left-hand turn coming up in about 10 steps and, you know, kind of count me down uh, to the point where I need to make that turn. And, you know, what we found quickly in Boston was you didn't have that kind of time. Um, you know, it was very real that, you know, you had other runners that were jockeying for position that would very suddenly jump right in front of you. And, you know, all of a sudden, even though it was a very minuscule lag time, it was, you know, something less than half a second's worth of lag time, it it became much more apparent in the kind of challenging Boston scenario, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a highly dynamic situation. And even though she can see out your camera glasses, I'm sure you don't get a good peripheral sense and you certainly don't know what's in back of you as a runner in the actual arena would. Absolutely. And so, you know, ultimately, I really consider the IRA experience in the Boston Marathon to have been a wonderful success. Uh, But the biggest thing about it is it was an opportunity to kind of put this technology through these paces, like literally through these paces. And, you know, to come back and say, here's what worked, here's what didn't work. And again, to the credit of the IRA team, you know, they hear all that feedback and they take it and they act on it. So even though IRA might not today be something you'd hand a blind person and say, here, go run a marathon. Can you imagine if it could be? And, you know, by sharing the feedback of what, what worked well and what, what could use some improvement, you know, ideally it'll give them the opportunity to, to look at some of those changes, consider implementing some of them, and, you know, ultimately pushing the technology further even. Well, that's why we test these things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, I was going to tell you, it's kind of interesting the more I think about this, because one thing Eric and I actually developed um, pre-race, and then even as we were doing it, I was going to say while I was running, but I wasn't running. Um, <laughs> but but mid-race, you know, we would cut things really short. We'd keep our interaction a lot more efficient than normal. Um, so as he said, you know, he had kind of warned me that 
he wouldn't be his typical friendly self as far as talking one, because it would be hard to hear and two, because um, he'd actually be racing. But, you know, we tried to keep things simple. So like as he passed over cups, I would simply say cups or runner on the right. Um, as he had his sighted guide with him, he was on his left. So I kind of kept more of an eye on the right hand side. So that was helpful too to know who would be where and what to look out for. Um, and oftentimes Eric, you know, likes to stay along the yellow line. So I would let him know if he was close to that yellow line or if a path was narrowing. So again, just keeping it more simple. Mm -hmm. And actually that has really helped us even in our current endeavors at IRA because we're thinking of stealth mode, you know, times where people might want us to not be so chatty, you know, not that we're chatty, but even they don't want all of the description we would normally give. Maybe they're in a conference room and they don't want to say who they are and explain what they want, we may have a stealth mode developed where we would simply guide them to a chair and know that that's what they want. They could press a button and tell us, you know, simple commands and we would give them those descriptions. So, you know, all of these unique cases have really helped us in the long run. Um, no pun intended. Um, and as you said, you know, this isn't going to be our typical use anytime soon. You know, this was a very unique circumstance, but absolutely, we have a lot of people who are out doing physical things that maybe they haven't felt inspired to or didn't think they could in a long time. So, for instance, we had a user who actually went bowling for the first time in 20 years and she had a blast and she used Ira for the whole thing. So, you know, I think it's so neat to see how all of these different uses are inspiring other users as well. I'm wondering, Jessica, Eric described what it was like from his position, but I'm wondering what it was like from your position. I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you couldn't take a bathroom break during this time. But I was also wondering, you know, is it was it stressful for you knowing that Eric was relying on this feedback and not 100 percent knowing whether it was going to work? What were your reactions? Oh, candidly, yes, I was horrified. Um, I did have some pre-race jitters, and we definitely had an all-hands-on-deck situation as far as, you know, making sure all of the tech pieces were practiced ahead of time, and we had um, different options as far as, like, even uh, I think we had different headsets that he could try to see what was most comfortable, what he could hear best with. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely nervous, hoping everything worked that day. Overall, though, I was more excited than anything, and I was just anxious to hear Eric's voice that morning, um, and he sounded good and excited, and, you know, honestly, could some things have gone better? Absolutely, um, but I think for the most part, you know, it was a really exciting experience, and I was able to see things as if I was running it myself, and I'm not nearly as fast as Eric, so I may not ever run it, so for me to get to see that view was really neat as well. It was like a secondhand runner's high. That's how I like to describe it. It sounds like you guys both really enjoyed the experience. Would you do it again? I think that we uh, may be on the hook to try it again next year with some uh, <laughs> new improvements that came as a result of this. So, yeah, no, I'd, I'd be on board with testing out any new enhancements or, uh, you know, anything that they implement as a result. And I'd be excited for the opportunity. I don't want to sign Jess up. <laughs> well, here I am. I'm getting committed. Yeah, well, I would absolutely be excited, too. I think my uh, April's pretty open. Nice. <laughs> well, you both seem to have survived and had a lot of fun doing this. Now for this week's final item, how to reach Jess or Eric or Ira, as well as some other related resources. 
Anyway, if people want to find out more about Ira, where would they go, Jess? You can just go to ira.io is our website. Can you spell that? Yes, sorry. It's A-I-R-A. So that's how you say Ira. And people do get it confused a lot, but I always think of I and that helps. So ira.io. And our website, you can find the four different plans for subscription. We also are frequently hiring new agents. So we always take applications on there as well. And what is the origin of the name Ira? So the AI is artificial intelligence and Ra is the Egyptian god of sun. So it is a unique name. That's kind of how it all came together. And as an agent, do you mind being referred to as artificial intelligence? (laughs) Well, I think it's actually looking a little more into the future. Um, I don't want to speak too far out in advance, but we are making um, new changes or on the way. We are going to be integrating with the KNFB reader. So some of our features, you know, if it is a more simple task, then it will be more of an automated thing. So that is in our future. So we definitely never want to take away that human aspect. So that's going to be something, you know, of course, if it's running a marathon, I don't think that's going to be a fully automated thing. So we would still be present for that. But if it is just simply reading um, a label, for instance, that may be automated. And if people had questions for either of you, how might they contact you? I can be reached directly at my email. So it's just Jess, J-E-S-S, at Ira, A-I-R-A, dot I-O. And I can be reached. I mean, follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook. It's a different spelling for Eric. It's E-R-I-C-H, Eric Manster, M-A-N-S-E-R. You can follow me on Twitter, at Eric Manster, or uh, at email, E-M-A-N-S-E-R, at us.ibm.com. And does Ira have a social media presence? Absolutely. So we do have a Twitter and Facebook accounts, um, and those are very active with a lot of our users. Um, So I would definitely recommend checking those out as well. Eric is a very active, uh, in many senses of the word, blind athlete. Are there any resources that you would like to direct other incipient blind athletes? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I uh, am very involved each year at the Boston Marathon with Team with a Vision, uh, which is a charitable group that is put on by uh, Mass Association for the Blind, Uh, They have developed a resource called United in Stride for any blind athletes in North America that are looking for sighted guides to run with. Uh, So unitedinstride.com is a great resource. Uh, Also getting involved or or active with uh, other, you know, the international organizations like Achilles or the USABA, the United States Association of Blind Athletes, all have great, great resources for blind or visually impaired people that are just trying to stay active and, and stay out there doing stuff. And also, Eyes on Success has done a number of episodes on various types of sports. And if you just type sports or exercise or the particular type of activity that you're interested in into the search field, you can find those. And in particular, we did episode 1607 about United in Stride, in which we talked with Eric's friend, Kyle Robidoux. And as usual, if you're looking for any of that contact information or those shows of interest, go to our show notes for this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1739. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about leaders who made a difference in the field of access technology. We will bring together Dean Blasey, Jim Fruchterman, and Ted Henter. 
who respectively have made pioneering contributions to the development of refreshable Braille displays, screen readers, and optical character recognition. We'll learn what each of them is up to today in this informative roundtable discussion. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on audioboom.com, at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.